0: So, that was my humor. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I want to share today, what stones are you hanging on to? And what is happening in Joshua chapter 4 is uh, the Israelites are finally getting ready to cross the Jordan River. And so, what's... uh, what they're doing is, you know, they've been waiting. Moses was leading them, and then he has died, and now Joshua's in charge. And really, there's only two people left from the original generation, and that's Joshua and Caleb. So uh, they're getting ready to to cross the river of Jordan, and this is what it says in in verse 5 of, of uh, Joshua 4. It says, and go over before the ark of the lord your god into the middle of jordan each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulders according to the number of tribes of israel israelites to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children are when in the future when your children ask you what does what do these stones mean Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. And according to the number of tribes of Israel, and as the Lord had told Joshua, they carried them over with them to the camp. When Where they put them down, Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. In reading that, It's kind of a memorial or a reminder of what took place. The question is this. How do you measure success? Is it dollars and cents? Is it the car you drive? Is it the home you live in? Is it the size of your business or your company or your ministry? I think maybe success is making your life count for the purpose and the plan that God has for you. Can you say amen? See, God has purposed and planned for you to be where you are today, whether you're here in the service or listening online. I, I think about, about this. When the priest's feet touched the Jordan River, water flowing downstream was cut off. They had faced through life many obstacles, just like we in our lives. We go through a lot in our life, many, many obstacles. And by the grace of God, God helps to remove them so that we can be successful. Think about this. The Israelites had been hearing for at least 40 years that they were going to go into the promised land the promised land of milk and honey. They had been hearing this, listening to it. Someday, one day, it's going to happen. And what is happening is it is happening right now. They had crossed the Jordan. They're standing on the brink of a miracle. Can you imagine the excitement and anticipation uh, that they were uh, going to witness and experience, can you imagine all that they had been waiting for? They were ready to collect the bounty that they had been waiting for. Suddenly, but all of a sudden, they're across the river, and suddenly they hear this booming voice from this old man, and it's Joshua. And you remember, I, as I said, there was only two that were left from the first generation, Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua is saying with his booming voice, stop. It's kind of like on, on, uh, on uh, Black Friday when you're getting ready to go shopping and, and the stores are just about ready to open and you see someone get to the door to unlock and they say stop. Now, I've never experienced that, but my wife has. <laughs> Matter of fact, a few years ago, she was trying to get some electronic things for the grandkids. <clears throat> and she went here and then went here and went there. And, and all the people, they're trying to get in to get that special TV or to get this special thing. And, and so all the people, there's so much excitement. And here the Israelites are excited. They're finally going to get across to the promised land and the booming voice says stop you're the first in line you must and Joshua says stop you must wait you must pause you must do something go back to the river get 12 stones one for each tribe why? so that the next generation, so they will remember what God us here. Because there will come a time, he says, there will come a time when a generation that will know nothing about the Red Sea Party. There will come a time when the generation won't know about eating manna for 40 years, where their clothes did not wear out during that time. They will not know about the blood of the lamb that was put on the doorposts. They will not know how how God delivered them from the mighty power of Pharaoh. I want you to go and I want you to teach the young generation, those stones will be a reminder what God is here, or they will lose that connection to the past. They'll lose that connection. Even worse, they'll lose the evidence of the miracle working power of God. I need you to remember. We cannot succeed into the future unless we remember what got us there. I have seen many ministries, many companies fail, quit because they forgot they forgot whose shoulders they were standing on. They forgot what got them there. Joshua never forgot what Moses did for him. Matter of fact, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, the second part, it says the Lord is saying to Joshua, be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. See, We need to remember, I have to remember what got me to where I am today. There's a person in the sound booth up there right now that almost 50 years ago invited me to church. Because of that, his name is Hugh Bristol, because of that, I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and changed my life. It's a stone that I hang on to. Because it was powerful. Joshua is saying, stack up the stones so that the next generation will know how God was faithful. So the next generation will remember how God moved mightily. How we can be taught. How the blood of the Lamb saved them and delivered them from the enemy. We need to know this. We we do a great disservice when we debate how important the stones are. We do a great disservice when we debate, are stones really valuable? Stones of holiness. Stones of faith. Stones of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I think back in the early 1900s, and many of you will remember that if you're an older generation, but many have forgot people's names like Charles Seymour. Amy Simple McPherson, Catherine Kuhlman, or Roberts. In the early 1900s, there was great moves of, of God, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit because of these men and women of God. These are stones that, we, that I hang on to as I have listened to different, uh, different messages that they have spoken. Now people are saying, you know, that's not important anymore. I think about this. This morning, as Pastor Jake said, I was in uh, Sun Prairie, and the worship leader is the worship leader that mentored Missy. What a blessing. She was so, so excited. She says, when I hear Missy play, it's me playing. She put stones into her missy's life that missy has hung on to she could have went a different route she could have went some other direction matter of fact uh, uh i i was listening this last week there was a person that uh passed away that was related to another minister jerry e lewis and uh and him and jimmy Swaggart were cousins jerry lewis went a different direction but at the end, he came back to hang on to the same stones that Jimmy Swaggart and others hung on to. See, we, we do a great disservice when we think that the stones of prayer and the stones of obedience and the stones of sanctification and the stones of praise and the stones of worship, they're not important anymore. The stones of hope. One of the things that I always like to do when I share a message is to make sure that the message of hope is brought forth. When you leave here today, I pray that you leave with a message of hope and yet a challenge in your spirit to see the power of God move mightily in your life. That's, that's so, so vital in our lives. I know that we are in the need and we're in a new modern era. People are saying if you want to grow your church or your ministry in in today's society, you gotta calm everything down. Let me tell you. You gotta be more predictable. You gotta turn the amps down. People are saying, let's not be overzealous. I do not want, let me tell you, I don't want a dry service. I don't want to. Dead service. A dry and a dead service didn't get us to where we are today. The power of God needs to continue to move in each and every one of our lives so we can leave stones that will strengthen and encourage others behind us. We got what got us here today when we start worshiping and praising God and praying in the Holy Spirit and lifting our hands and preaching the word of God and faith in Jesus Christ, we do a great disservice when we say these stones are hindering us. These stones are holding us back. These stones are weighing us down. I will do whatever it takes for me to see the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit Moving our services and our lives and our families and our heart. Because as, as they sang this morning and and so forth, there's a lot of stuff going on that that, that's not good. And so we need a move of God. The number one point I'd like to share is our success depends on not forgetting the stones that God is here. In the state of Oregon, there's some mighty great forests of redwood trees, and over time a tree will fall and lay on the ground, and and different seedlings from the trees that are still alive will fall on top of that stone, on top of those those logs. And what happens after a while, those seedlings try, try to uh, penetrate into that log, but it's hard, and it it, it can't go in, so it, it goes off to the sides, and that's why when the new trees grow up, they have this huge hole in the middle that you, some can even drive a car through. But what would happen if the seedlings were just saying, you know, I, I, I'm just not going to do it anymore. The ground's too hard. I, I don't want to uh, go forward anymore. But see, it happens In the body of Christ, we sometimes can get so satisfied that we don't need the power or we don't think we need the power of God to move. Let me tell you, raising families today, we need a move of God. We need a revelation from the Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us and to give hope to our younger generation. I'm here today, I believe that you are here today because of the prayers of maybe your parents, maybe your grandparents, maybe some man or woman of God that had been praying for you. I was sharing this morning that uh, I was one of the first saved in our family in the newer generations back 40 some years ago, 50 years ago. And as God started to move, I was so excited and I would share with my family and many of them are serving God today. Matter of fact, uh, many of you know who Pastor Renan is and, and, uh, and I was just sharing. I have a brother, his, uh, Pastor Renan's mom is married to my brother. My brother was kind of the, the, the uncle to all the nieces and nephews that was cool. You know, he always dressed well, had fast cars, and when would come to a family reunion, everybody wanted to hang around him. He always had a joke, always fun, but didn't serve God. And I would, I would call him up and say, Chuck, you're going to church today. And he'd say, Steve, sit by the window when I drive by, you'll see me. Say things like that. Well, we continued to pray and to pray, and, and Pastor Renan's father, who was a minister, passed away and of some uh, disease from traveling uh, around the world, and, and his mom meets up with my brother. Guess what? God has answered prayer. Not only that, but now Renan is part of, you'll hear him a lot of times call, Call me Uncle Steve all the time. I'm a little taken back at first, when I, uh, but it was—it's—it's it's so cool to see how the power of God continues to work in our lives. Somebody prayed, some grandmother, some grandfather, some—somebody prayed. The seed that you have is going to help connect to someone else, and—and. And and you'll use, and God will use your seed as fertilizer to touch someone else in the next generation. There has to be that connection for our heritage to continue on and to move on. There are great men and women of God that have left stones that I hang on to. I think of a pastor that I sat under for two and a half years and Pastor Jake and I were just talking about it yesterday, and we, uh, he and I would go to, uh, Pastor Larson and I would go to a conference, and and Pastor Jake and, and uh, Pastor Larson's son were about the same age, and they and and I didn't even know this was happening, but Pastor Jake said I'd listen to you, Dad, and and Pastor Larson talk theology and all these different things as you travel down, and and we just listened. And I can still, he said, I can still remember some of those conversations. Did I know that during those conversations were that we were giving stones that Pastor Jake and others can hang on to? Your life is giving out something. I've seen many, many stones and gifts that have come into my life that I hang on to. The second screen i like to share is we have to get our roots deep in our faith in Jesus Christ. That little seedling in the Oregon forest didn't say that old log is holding me back. If you want to be successful, know and keep what has been planted in I'll never forget the power of God that transformed me and changed me, and gave me hope and gave me life, gave me purpose, gave me reason. This morning, I I did something special, uh, and that is there's a young man that used to come here, but uh, he's married to Nikki, and actually Nikki next week is going to be ordained here, Nikki's. Anyway, uh, Daryl traveled with me. I remember when he first came to church and got saved. Life changed him. I remember doing the wedding for him and Nikki, And I was going on some mission trips, and I needed someone to travel with me, and he went. Sometimes we'd do five services a day, and he always had my carried my backpack, and so this morning... And he always carried the Bible up to the pulpit so the smart and I had him carry the my Bible and pulp our uh, Bible and notes up to the pulpit. there would be times we're out in some little hut and we're praying and people are sitting on the ground and sitting in the in little uh, uh benches and I'd say, you know, I think Daryl needs to share today, and the power of God would move upon him. Mostly, if I had warned him, he would have probably been nervous and stayed up all night. But let me just tell you, God can move because there were certain stones that he was hanging on to. There's something powerful when faith is transferred. There's something powerful when faith, we remember what got us there. the path, Through the past and the future. What did these stones of Israel by the Jordan River testify? They testified of the blood of the Lamb, how they came out of slavery, how they came out of Egypt, how they came out of bondage. If today there's someone that's sick or there's someone with disease or there's someone uh, that's uh, going through depression or facing a difficult situation, let me tell you the power of the Holy Spirit can move and touch you in a very special way. Hallelujah. I know many new ideas will come. Many new philosophies will come. Sometimes people get so educated they don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. Let me tell you, I got more education than I probably need. But I need more than any of that. I need the power of the Holy Spirit. People get so wrapped up in what they think and what they know. Let me tell you, I don't know anything. I have to rely on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That sometimes we we forget the power of God. We become professional Christians. We need to remember what God is there. The last point I'd like to share is what are you doing to determine your success? in the future. Jeremiah 6:16 says, "Stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your soul." There are people out here and out there telling you what to do. I love it when people are trying to tell me how to raise kids. There's a a program on for a number of years. I think it stopped five, six years ago. It was Oprah. And for those that know that, Oprah would tell people how to raise kids. Think about that. Oprah never had kids. Oprah would tell people how to have a happy married life. She was never married. You know, I think... We need to ask somebody that has children how to raise children. I think we need to ask somebody that has a good marriage how to have a good marriage. We need to stick to the word of God. The Bible didn't say you have to be happy. It says you have to be holy. Holiness doesn't follow you. You follow holiness. What stones, what gifts are you leaving for the next generation? That's what I hope that I do. And that's what I hope that each and every one of you do as it's passed on. I think of the different kids and, and, and grandkids that are serving God today and others. It blesses me to know that even in the midst, all I was doing was serving God. And yet there's some stones that were left that they're hanging on to. There's a story that I'd like to close with, and that is, in 1949, a man by the name of Douglas McCracken, US CIA employee, was in China. He was at the command post, and as the Chinese were taking over that region, the United States decided that they needed to remove all state government officials From that region. And so Douglas McCracken and and five others were to remain and to destroy all the documents. And all of the things that, uh, that they didn't want the communists to get their hands on. But the problem was once they destroyed all the documents, they didn't have a way out. Because all the others were taken early. So they destroyed the documents, all the things that they needed to destroy, and now they're starting to plan an escape route. The plan that they finally decided on was a long journey. They had to cross the desert and the Himalayan mountains trying to get to an allied nation who would help them get back to America. That allied nation was India. It was a thousand mile long journey. Through the desert, sometimes three days without water, they ended up killing their mules just for food to survive. And when they got to Tibet, it was winter. They had to cross the Himalayan mountains in the cold of the winter. Worn-out shoes, hands and feet frostbitten, Doug McCracklin actually lost one of his eyes because of the storms and the cold, blinding wind that was going. As they crossed the mountains, small snow grif- uh, snowdrifts were as high as four to five feet. The only way to get to India was to go through these mountains they were told to, the only way through the mountains was to follow the path they would they would as they went along the journey they'd ask people in tibet they'd say were they going the right way because sometimes they didn't know and the answer was always consistent follow the stones follow the stones there were piles of stones along the path that would lead them to freedom, lead them to where they had to go and for them to be alive. Many a times they would get off course because of the high drifts and they'd have to backtrack and find that pile of stones again and clear away. And when they finally got to India, they asked the people, they said who put those stones there why is it that why is it that that's the method to help people get to safety it's such a dangerous journey how how did this all happen and the people in india answered and they said these stones are former journeymen who were walking the path but along the way some secluded to death Even though they were on the right path, they didn't make it to the place where they were trying to get. When they would die, the ground was so hard and so frozen that they couldn't dig to bury the dead. So they would lay the body on the ground and they would lay these rocks on top of them. And that was their grave. As these guys were following the stones... The path makers became the path markers. After reading that story, I thought about the stones the previous generation has left for me. I have in my office back at home uh, a picture, a long picture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. If you go back, older people will remember that. That was above my grandmother's mantle for years and years. And then on her little footstool was where her Bible was. I credit many of the success that I've had in ministry because of her, because of her prayers, stones that I hang on to. And every time I sit in my office and I look up at that picture, I think of her and I think of the Bible and and the verses that she would share from time to time. I think about the stones of the previous generations that have left for me to follow. I want you to think of the different stones that have been left for you to follow. There have been times that I've gotten off track, and I had to go back to the stones that were left for me to get back on track. See, there will be times we get off track. I was visiting a person in prison just the other day. He got off track. I was talking to him about getting back to the stones that got him initially where he should be going. See, as we walk our journey of life, you're a path maker. But you are becoming a path marker for the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Let's follow the stones of our apostles Peter and Paul and Matthew and Mark, John and James and Luke and so on. Let's not forget their dedication and their commitment. Let's not forget the stones that were left for us the dedication and the commitment they left for us. Now let us with our commitment and our dedication leave stones for the next generation. Right now you're a path maker but as a path maker you're also making marks. You're becoming a path marker for people that maybe look to you, maybe think of you, maybe as as a a parent, maybe as a mentor, maybe someone that you've rubbed shoulders with, you have become a path marker. So my challenge to you today is as a path maker, are you becoming a path marker by the grace of God? Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father, I stand here only by the grace of God. And each person standing here is only by the grace of God. You have brought us. You have kept us. You have strengthened us to be all that we can be. Let's not take lighthearted the move of the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of God moving in our lives. Let's not forget the miracles that have touched our lives and that we hang on to and we can pass on to others. I'm challenged myself as I speak that as I connect with people that I don't take Lightly, the responsibility that you've placed in each in my life in each person here today. May you surround us with your angels and the power of your Holy Spirit. May we walk with confidence and assurance that greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. May our journey as a pathmaker leave path markers for others to follow. May the next generation and the next generation look back and say, such and such said something, forget. May your hand be on each and every one. And as I do this, Holly and I pray every day, And it's a pretty standard prayer, but I pray this for each of you today. Usually, a lot of times when we're traveling together, we're backing out of the garage and we stop and we pray, and I say, Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity you've given me for life and for our family. I pray, Lord, for Holly and I to walk in divine health along with our kids and our grandkids, our siblings, and those we come in contact with. May everyone here walk in divine health in the power of the Holy Spirit. May this day be a blessed day. May you pour out your spirit. May we walk in joy, peace, and prosperity. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.